This is the Ag Queen Podcast. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. Here's your host, Lori Boyer. Today's show is being brought to you by Grasshopper Mowers. With Grasshopper Mowers, nothing gets in the way of hashtag mow day. It doesn't matter whether you're on the backfield or the front yard. On mow day, perfection is a game of inches. It's a battle of fence line and fierce terrain. Out there, on that grasshopper mower, you don't let anything stop your stripes. Nothing stands in the way of a job well done. For more on Mow Day and Grasshopper Mowers, visit grasshoppermower.com. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to have my guest on here today. Kevin Yates is joining me. He is a fourth-year PhD candidate in chemical engineering at the University of California, Davis. And Kevin, thanks for joining me. I invited you on because I read an article that I thought was fascinating, would be really fun to talk about. And that is what you're working on in developing lettuce, lettuce that can be used for astronauts, but has protein in it as well. Is that right? Yeah, what we have is a type of lettuce, which we have transformed to produce a therapeutic protein, which can treat bone loss. And, you know, our focus is on space applications, but certainly this is the kind of thing that can work on Earth as well. How did this idea even get started? And tell me about that. Also, tell me a little bit about your background, too. Sure. Well, my background is, uh, you know, I am a chemical engineer and you know, we think of ways to make chemicals, essentially, like not so much the reactions, but how to actually produce them in larger scale systems. So we as chemical engineers think of plants as little tiny bioreactors. You know, you put things in that they like, like CO2, water, nutrients, and you get out a product, in our case, a therapeutic protein. Um, So we're trying to solve the problem of bone loss in microgravity conditions like you'd have on space, in space, or like reduced gravity conditions um, as you'd have on the surface of the moon or Mars. And this can be treated with a a segment of the naturally occurring human parathyroid hormones. That's the PTH part of this protein that we call PTHFC. And I'll talk more about that, more about the fusion protein later. But when you have a low resource environment, such as on a spacecraft or on the surface of another planet, um, it's not really practical to just bring all the medicine that you need. It takes a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, fuel and structure and everything else to fly that with you. And also it might degrade in space um, just due to the effects of radiation and other things that are that are there. Uh, so we thought that using plants to produce this therapeutic protein would be great because that way you just bring the seeds with you. And from a seed, you can grow a whole plant. That plant, in the case of lettuce, can make thousands more seeds. And then you just, you produce it along the way. And of course, plants are, are food as well. So this is what we thought would be a great solution for what we call low resource environments. One question I have to ask out of that, you've mentioned therapeutic protein. What does therapeutic actually mean in that? So what we're saying is that it's meant to treat a specific condition. This isn't sort of like a general nutritional supplement or something like that, but rather this fusion protein that um, we have 
uh, that we're producing in lettuce is engineered to treat uh, bone loss and in fact, uh, hopefully regenerate bone and not just keep, not just prevent it from being lost. Now, kind of going back to the question I had on how this idea got started, were you commissioned to do this or how did it even come about that maybe we could put protein on lettuce and help solve this bone density problem? Yeah, so this is pretty straightforward um, academic research. Uh, so my research is part of a NASA center called the Center for the Utilization of Biological Engineering in Space or CUBES. I would encourage listeners to check out our website, cubes.space. But yeah, so we, my professors, my, the primary investigators wrote a proposal for this and said, um, you know, this is one of the things we'd like to, to, to do research on. Uh, so certainly like making proteins in plants has been done before, but we are looking at this for a, a particular application with a particular protein. And actually one of the things a lot of thought went into was what plant do we use? And lettuce was a good choice because we knew that lettuce could be grown in microgravity. It had been grown on the International Space Station. Um, it could be eaten. And we thought that, yeah, this is a, this is a, good, this is a good plant to, to use um, in order to just show a proof of concept that this can be done. Kevin, how long has this research been going on? I've been working on it for a, a few years. You know, there was some work done on it a little before it was my project. Uh, so I'm, I'm still a student, um, you know, working toward earning my PhD. And the thing about development of transgenic plants is that it, it does take a while. You know, a lot of what you do is sort of limited by the speed at which your, your plant grows. And numbers are also important. So you need to grow a lot of plants in order to study this properly. You need to see how it works across um, different generations of plants and so on. So there's more to do in the future too. Certainly I'm just showing that it, it, that it can be done, but you know, it will need to be evaluated with animal models. It will need to be tested for safety with, and efficacy for humans. So that's, that's clinical trials and so on. I didn't realize that. So I appreciate that. So it's going to be a little while before it hits the market, so to say. Yeah. As a therapeutic, you know, this is a very specific treatment for a very specific condition. And I don't think this is something that would end up being sold in grocery stores, for example. It's more of a specialized approach. But, you know, this could be used to produce therapeutics on Earth in low resource environments on Earth. So there are places in the world where it might not be possible to build like a biomanufactory to produce things like vaccines and therapeutic proteins and anything else you need. But if the molecule of interest is produced in a plant, you really just have to grow the plant um, and then find, you know, a, a way to extract it, or maybe you would eat the plant, but that's much more feasible in a lot of places than building a whole facility to produce something like that. And that leads right into my next question. And, and how does it work exactly? What does it look like in a lab putting this molecule, putting, or I think you used the word fusion earlier, how mm -hmm. do you get it right. into the plant or to the seed? Sure. So what we did originally was we took uh, plant chelis cells, which are kind of like stem cells for plants, and we integrated the DNA into those cells, which would code for the protein that we want to make. So that was done actually using engineered uh, bacteria to do the first part. Then the bacteria were, were out of the picture after that. We didn't, you know, we didn't need them anymore. So it transformed these cells and we 
uh, from these transformed cells, we regenerated the, the whole plant, the whole lettuce plant. And then from those first plants, you know, we screened them and make sure that they got the, the DNA or the gene inside of them. Uh, and then we collect, you know, we grew those plants at the seeding stage, collected seeds, and just have been uh, growing generations uh, from those seeds since then. I'd just like to say, yeah, about the fusion. So what I meant by fusion protein is that we don't make just like the fragment of the human parathyroid hormone to treat bone loss. We actually fused it on another part of, of uh, what well, we fused on part of a human antibody called the FC domain. And the reason why we did that is so that it would increase the stability of the molecule while it's being made in these plants as they grow. So one, it makes it bigger, which makes it more stable. And then two, we're hoping that if this is taken orally by eating the lettuce, this FC part of the PTHFC fusion protein uh, can, how do I put this? It has properties that allow it to bind to the like intestinal linings in the body, um, which means that it should help it get into the bloodstream better than just a, a random, better than just a fragment of the hormone. That's fascinating, Kevin. Really, this is really cool to talk about. I have this question, and because I'm not a chemical engineer, it may sound silly to you, but like, where does the protein originate from? If, from a, an animal cell, a human cell, where do you get that original protein that you're putting into the plant? Yeah, so this is all based on what the human body itself makes. So the PTH fragment is just... Um, Specifically, it's the first 34 amino acids that make up human parathyroid hormone, which is produced in the parathyroid gland. Um, we use those first 34 because those are the ones that are, that are bioactive. And what that actually does is it regulates the amount of calcium in your blood. And because the bones in your body are a store of calcium, this hormone regulates how they're broken down and rebuilt, which is, which is a normal constant thing. Um, both to get the calcium levels where your body wants them and to repair microfractures that your bones are going to have. And then so we fuse that onto this FC domain of a human antibody called IgG1 for the reasons of stability that I mentioned before. And it also helps with purification. So if you want to like get this protein out and say maybe turn it into something you can inject, having that uh, FC domain on it is, is very useful for that. So this is not from another animal or something like this. This is exactly what the human body would make because we know the, uh, you know, the structure of those proteins, amino acid sequence, and we know the DNA um, that instructs a, a plant to make them. Kevin, how does the lettuce look compared to the lettuce that we know today? You know, the, the plants themselves are very similar to regular, you know, non-transformed lettuce. We did start with the sort of seeds that you would just buy it like a hardware store. Um, these are just regular garden uh, cultivars of lettuce. Specifically, we used Romaine, Paris Island, and uh, Crispet Great Lakes 118. Those are the plants that we had uh, actually transformed. But yeah, so far, you know, you just looking at it, you wouldn't really be able to tell the difference. But we do, you know, we do want plants that that grow well in the conditions we would put them in 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 spaceflight. And what are some of those conditions? Well, it depends on your growth strategy. So right now, the uh, one of the more well-known experiments on the International Space Station is called Veggie. So the plants are grown in this sort of chamber um, under certain certain colors of light, and they're given a certain blend of nutrients, and they grow out of these sort of little pouches with um, a sort of a growth medium inside of them. 
But if we were to grow plants on Mars, for example, which I, I think we'll have to do if we want to stay there for any um, significant amount of time, you know, you can grow them in a greenhouse, for example. Um, you can grow them in the astronaut habitat. You can grow different plants together. You know, you can grow plants each in their own optimized conditions. Um, it's just going to depend on the plant. But for lettuce, like we know how to get the most growth given a certain amount of uh, CO2 concentration in the air and a certain amount of um, like photosynthetically active light. So light at, at wavelengths that they can use to run the photosynthetic process and, you know, grow bigger and produce more protein. And Kevin, how does it taste? Well, that we don't know yet. Uh, that is a question we get a lot. And I wish I had the answer, but you know, one cannot eat the lettuce until it goes through a lot of safety trials. So that's a ways off. But as far as like the other uh, sensory characteristics, you know, the smell, the feel, the color, um, it looks like regular lettuce. So I don't know that there will be an impact on, on taste. I'm hoping it's just, you know, delicious as any other kind of uh, salad. But um, yeah, later on after it's established to be safe, you know, we, we could have like a sensory panel examine it and see how it tastes compared to just regular lettuce. Can you tell me how long the shelf life is compared to regular lettuce? We haven't looked at that, but I would expect it to be about the same. Uh, we define very specifically, though, when that lettuce would be harvested in a base mission. So we say that it should be harvested at 30 days after you see it emerge from the soil or hydroponic system that it's planted in. We do a lot of our studies to look at like how much of our PTHFC fusion protein would, would be in it at that time. And later I plan to look at like the nutritional content of the lettuce at, at this 30-day uh, time point as well. To your knowledge, is this type of research happening in other vegetables, even if it's not protein, maybe it's another molecule or amino acid or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, plants are becoming a super popular uh, platform for production of a lot of things because it, it turns out that they're really good at it. Um, you know, a lot of times people had been using and, and still do, the standard is still producing these things in, in uh, animal cells um, just because it, it's so well established. But plants, especially these transgenic plants, you just have to grow the plant. And one recent example is I had read uh, not so long ago that um, a company is producing a COVID vaccine in plants. I think, you know, it was just approved by one regulatory board. That's really fascinating. And again, it's just, you just, you just grow the plant and, and have a way to extract it. But maybe one day we'll have like edible vaccines coming in plants or, you know, there, there's another project I mentioned is the uh, golden rice project where this rice produces uh, beta carotene, which a lot of populations in the world are lacking and, you know, it causes a, the lack of it causes disease states. So if this rice is producing it and people are already eating rice, I think that's a great way to uh, make sure that everybody gets a healthy amount of beta carotene in their diet. Kevin, how much longer do you have uh, as you go for your PhD? How, how many more years of school do you think you have? <laughs> Uh, that's that's kind of an open-ended question. You know, I really say like uh, essentially as long as it takes, you know, it might be one, it might be more, but I want to see this through um, and, and really have something uh, conclusive to say about it uh, by the time I write up my dissertation. So I work on other things too, but uh, yeah, this project is my sort of my flagship project and 
yeah, so I, I, I don't know yet, um, but you know, it's, it's good just to, just to do the research and, and see what, um, see what discoveries come out of it. You kind of answered the reason I asked that was I wondered if you would be able to get to see the end product actually be out there and be in use. And then the other question that I was going to have on top of that was like, what do you want to do after you, your schooling is done? What do you want to do when you fully grow up, if you will? Right. right. Yeah. So what I would like to see, um, you know, maybe while I'm here, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit after I'm gone, but like, I would like to see these lettuce seeds um, from, for our plants sent to the International Space Station and grown there uh, just to see, just to see what happens in those microgravity conditions. As far as my future, there's a huge amount of opportunity in using plants to produce products that that people need. You know, some things we can already produce, but maybe plants are a better option. Other things, you know, we really haven't figured out how to produce them well. Plants might be an option for that. So it could be everything from vaccines and and therapeutic uh, proteins to biomaterials, you know, um, you know, fibers and things like that. I mean, we already do that with things like, you know, cotton, but uh, certainly there's there's more research to be done in that. Um, biofuels are another possibility. What I do is I think of it in terms of like being part of a whole system. So my plants, you know, the, the models I have to show how much growth you'll get at, at a certain time, they fit into a whole system of like what you would need on a mission to Mars or something like that. Uh, so it's also like... Wow how does this work in, in context of, of much larger goals, like, you know, going interplanetary. So I'm not sure exactly what I'll end up doing, but I have to say that, you know, there's a lot of opportunity everywhere. And even just in food agriculture, you know, we, we talk about um, and do some research on growing plants in, you know, aeroponic systems or vertical farming, or talk about automation and things like that. So, you know, it, it, it might be, um, you know, sort of the future of food production as well, at least these systems, you know, as far as like engineered plants go and, and transgenic plants, that I think is something that, you know, needs to be scrutinized very carefully um, before, before these things go to the general market. Yeah, we're, we're thinking of new ways of doing basically everything and we'll use plants to do it. Best of luck. And I can't wait to watch this project as you move along with it. Yeah, well, thank you for the uh, opportunity to uh, share what I've been working on. It doesn't matter whether you're on the backfield or the front yard. On Mo Day, perfection is a game of inches. It's a battle of fence line and fierce terrain. Out there, on that grasshopper mower, you don't let anything stop your stripes. Nothing stands in the way of a job well done. For more on Mow Day and Grasshopper Mowers, visit grasshoppermower.com. That will wrap up the show, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's show has been brought to you by Grasshopper Mowers. With Grasshopper Mowers, nothing gets in the way of hashtag Mow Day. It doesn't matter whether you're on the backfield or the front yard. On Mow Day, perfection is a game of inches. It's a battle of fence line and fierce terrain. Out there, on that grasshopper mower, you don't let anything stop your stripes. Nothing stands in the way of a job well done. For more on Mow Day and Grasshopper Mowers, visit grasshoppermower.com.
Kevin Yates. He is a fourth year PhD candidate in chemical engineering at the University of California, Davis. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Ag Queen podcast with your host, Lori Boyer.